0: Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. It is great to be back with you, our listeners, after a
1: nice break for the holidays. And you know, this is the time of year when a lot of people are making, or by the time this recording <laughs> drops, breaking, New Year's resolutions. And Amy, I don't know about you, but I, I stopped making New Year's resolutions, I think, when I was about in high school, when it became
0: apparent what? that I was never going to keep <laughs> any of them. How about you? Are you, what? No, my record really is about two weeks, so <laughs>
1: I don't, <laughs> I, you find.
0: know, I say, oh, I'm to be a better person and I just never am. And so that that really tells us about our condition as human beings before God. But uh, I read recently, Michelle, according Mm to uh, U.S. News and World Report that the failure rate for New Year's resolutions is said to be about 80%. So uh, really, we're all in the same boat here. Most of us lose our resolve by the end of January, this report says. So here we are. So, uh, you know, we don't really want to make this this uh, episode about New Year's resolutions because those really tend to be very self-focused and uh, because it's really all too easy to give up on them. Uh, But rather, we would like to talk about some holy habits that every Christian needs to develop and grow in every year in our Christian walk. And so uh, Michelle and I came up with about eight of them.
1: Yeah, and you know, we can probably think of a lot more than just yeah. just these eight that we're going to discuss tonight, but as we go through these, let's, let's focus on what sets them apart from New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. New Year's resolutions usually focus on, like Amy was saying, how can I, by my sheer willpower, make me a better me? <laughs> yeah. But th- these holy habits that we're going to discuss focus on, how can I, empowered by the Holy Spirit... Bring glory to God and grow in Christ by obeying God's word and walking faithfully with him. So let's jump
0: right in. Amy, what is first on our list? Well, I think if we're going to um, do these in order of importance, uh, I think, Michelle, Mm -hmm. you and I both agree that it's going to be uh, daily reading and meditating on God's word is probably the most important thing. And uh, it might surprise our listeners to know that many professing Christians don't make this a priority. And uh, to me, it's kind of like being on a diet of nothing but marshmallows and Mountain Dew. Uh, You know, your teeth will rot out and there's absolutely no nourishment at all. Um, Now, listen, we're not here to scold anybody because, let's face it, there's no Christian on the planet who hasn't at some point become stale in uh, pursuing the things of God. And Michelle and I know that, uh, you know, it's a challenge sometimes. And, And Michelle, I know you've written about how to dive into scripture reading.
1: Oh yeah and it's so important to do that. We we yeah. really need to feast on God's word and commune with him every day through the study of his word and prayer because this is really this is how we abide in Christ. You know, we read John 15. Jesus is just he uses the word abide like a million times abide abide <laughs> abide, abide abide. And um John 15:4 in particular says abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you, unless you abide in me. So how do we abide? Well, verse nine, nine and 10 tell us abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So <clears throat> to abide in Christ, we need to study the word to know his commands and then keep his commands and then bear fruit. And so how do we make uh studying the Bible and daily prayer, a holy habit, especially if you've never tried it before. Well, just a few little quick and easy tips. First Mm -hmm. of all, pair it with something you already do every day. Like right after you brush your teeth or right after you get up or when the baby's taking her morning nap or something like that. Um, you can purposely clear off that, that block of time in your schedule every day. Make sure that you don't have any interruptions. Be intentional about it, you know, and, and really plan to have that uninterrupted time in the word and in prayer. And then another thing that you can do is to study in an orderly way so that you don't get up every day and think, okay, what am I going to study today? You know, um, have a plan, study systematically, not randomly. Um, you can use a Bible reading plan. A lot of people like those. I know those are really helpful for me because they tell you what you're supposed to be doing every day. And it's <laughs> like a little list. I'm big on to-do lists. so That gives <laughs> me my Bible reading to-do list for the day. Or you can develop your own sort of plan and, and do it, you know, the way that you want to uh to plan it out but just be careful and don't bite off more than you can chew and and uh and then it'll be easier for you to stick with it that way Um, Sometimes it can be helpful to have an accountability partner or a discussion partner. If you and your, your friend or your husband are reading the same passages, you know, every day, then you can discuss it. And that kind of helps keep you accountable because it's kind of embarrassing, you know, when you meet with your accountability partner or your discussion partner and you haven't done the reading that day, you don't really have anything to discuss. And then, of course, like Amy said, you know, we we all hit glitches in our daily quiet times. We we fall off that horse. We need to get back up and get on it again. Um, repent if there's been any sin that has kept us from studying our Bibles or whatever. And uh, because, you know, the longer that you stay away, the longer you stay away. So we need to get <laughs> yes. right back up on that horse and uh, and get back to it. And so those are just some, some quick and easy tips for, uh, getting into the word and staying in the word so that we can abide in Christ and bear good fruit for him. And Amy, Amy and I, of course, both have Bible studies on our websites. And mm-hmm. if you need some help with studying the word, then we'll put some, some good links on there for you and, uh, and give you some good resources to help with that. Amy you got anything to, um, to add to that?
0: Yeah, a couple of things. Well, first, of course, Michelle, I love the way you say abide. I just love that. I can't I, help it. <laughs> I know, it's so cute. Um, but you know, um, I love the verse in 2 Timothy um, 3, 16 and 17, where it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, yes. for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so really, the Bible is about um, being equipped, and that's why we want to study it. And so I know people who just do the verse of the day. So I Maybe they've got a smartphone app and it pops up there and uh, they read it and just check off the box and so if that's been you um, cool but you know we, we want to go into <clears throat> larger sections of scripture we want to always increase our study always be able to go deeper into it so um, maybe you're maybe you just do a verse or two a day try writing an entire chapter um, get those verses in context because I, I think sometimes those verses come up and and you don't really know well who wrote that you know why was written. Um, be curious. Be somebody who uh, wants to know more. Um, so, if the Bible is our authority for faith and life, uh, then I think the inspired words it contains really ought to be uh, a priority. And uh, so, so that's just some thoughts. Just to um, you know, be sanctified, be restored, uh, all of those things that um, reading scripture. Uh, certainly helps within our in our walk with God, and then I think too Michelle um, along with reading the Bible is prayer um, you know we can pray first before we read the Bible to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to just open our eyes to what we 're about to right. read. And and he sure will. Um, prayer is mentioned over 250 times in Scripture, both in uh, Old and New Testament. So, uh, if your prayer life is getting stale, it's probably a good bet that your uh, Bible reading life is getting stale as well. Uh, maybe you've gotten out of the habit of praying daily. Um, and if you know if, if that's you, stop what you're doing right now. Turn off this podcast. Actually. Put it on pause because um, we'll <laughs> wait. And, and you know what? We want to make sure that prayer is one of those things that go hand in hand with with reading the Bible. It's really how right. believers communicate to our creator. It's how we worship him. It's how we submit ourselves to him in obedience and how we find comfort in times of sorrow and joy. Um, you know, First uh, Thessalonians uh, 5 um, verses 16 through 18 tells us to pray without ceasing, Giving thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, just some thoughts there. What do you think?
1: That's right. You know, it's been said, and I, I really like this little saying that God speaks to us through His Word, and we speak to Him through prayer. Yes, and so those those two things really do go hand in hand, and they're so important to do every day. Yeah. Um, and you know, not just to do a, do a rote do it rotely or um just go through the motions, but to really
0: to commune with God and feast on his word every day. So yeah. Well, one of the ways I feast on the word, I think you, I've told you this a few years ago, Michelle, that I uh, just started listening to the Bible on audio and mm-hmm. it just plays in rotation. So I'll, I'll put it on at night and, you know, if I, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I, I know it's, it sounds kind of weird, but God's voice is speaking to me through his That's
1: word. Right. That's so, absolutely right. right. It's, so. it's
0: one way you can get the word um, pumped into your little noggin. And mm-hmm. I, I really like that way of doing it as well.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, the next thing that we wanted to talk about on these, you know, these eight uh, holy habits that we're talking about is faithful church attendance. And not not just church attendance, but faithful Faithful church attendance. Now, yes. you know we've Amy and I read research all the time, and and so one of the things that I was reading uh, not too too long ago, I've I've talked to people before about this, but um, they've somebody came up with the idea, some church gro- growth uh, group or something came up with the idea that if you attend church twice a month. You are a faithful attender. I'm what? not sure who who came up with that or why that's considered twice a month, faithful. Huh? Yeah, but I got to I got to thinking, you know, there's four Sundays in a month and if you attend twice a month, aren't you being just as unfaithful as you are being faithful? You know, yeah. cuz you're missing two and you're going to. So you you could just as easily say you're unfaithful and March, May, August, and November of this year each have five Sundays. So if you only go two Sundays, then you're really being (laughs) unfaithful.
0: Well, it's kind of like showing up at your, you know, the family dinner table, uh, you know, uh, half as many times as every day, you know, so. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Where's mom? I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's like I've said before, too, you know, if you were taking a class and you only went 50% 50% of the time or half the time, would you be considered a faithful class member? No. Um, you, And nope, you'd, you'd probably flunk. miss a lot of material and you would, yeah, you would probably flunk. So oh, we want to be sure, we want to be sure that we're going to, that we're attending our church that we're a member of faithfully and that we go unless we're what we used to call in the olden days, providentially hindered, you know, if, if there's some kind of <laughs> yeah. emergency that keeps you from going to church, you know, or, or something where you just can't get there, but otherwise get there to church, you know? And so, of course, we always want to know why do we want to do things like this? Well, why do we want to be a faithful church attender? Um, Because the Bible says so, first of all. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the Bible says so, which which is a good enough reason for us to do it. But God is never arbitrary. He doesn't just throw rules out there and, and say, obey this rule. You know, every time he tells us to do something, it's for his glory and our good. Yeah. And so faithful church attendance glorifies him. How is it for our good? Well, we look back at the verse that we just read. It says we're to stir up one another to love and good works. We're to encourage one another, and notice that that phrase "one another." It's not about you. It's not about what makes you happy or what what you're getting out of it or or anything like that. It's not centered around you attending church, isn't? But it's about going and um finding out how you can serve and help and yes. build up your encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ and especially as you see as it says as you see the day drawing near when Christ is going to come back and uh, you know we're getting closer and closer to that every day and so we should be more and more faithful to to our churches as we see the day drawing near because persecution is coming. The Bible says lawlessness will be increased. And so we've got to stick together so that we can say with the psalmist, like he said in Psalm one, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And of course, you know, again, we have lots of resources. If you can't find a church, I know a lot of people will listen to that and say, well, I would love to attend church faithfully, but I can't find a good church we've got resources for you and we're going to help you with that. So Amy, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I love how you talked about service and, you know, being a member of a church means um, you should be serving in some way. And every um, servant of the Lord should remember it's more than just serving others, it's loving them. So it's not just, you know, checking off a box again and doing a good deed. It's, It's actually love. Um, you know, serving humbly in love, whether it's on a Sunday morning or doing some type of job during the week, even from home. Uh, Galatians 5.13 says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. And uh, Michelle, you know, there's always plenty of work to be done. Um, So it's good to ask. You can ask church leadership um, about the needs of the church and have a conversation with the pastor and the elders about maybe some jobs that are open that aren't being attended to and how uh, we, you know, maybe they're they're suited for you or maybe they're not, but just roll up your sleeves and dig in. And, uh, you know, I know some of you ladies run or help with the women's Bible study. Others can be greeters. And uh, I know quite a few of you who uh, work from home making those phone calls to the new visitors or rounding up volunteers volunteers, but uh, yeah, it, it's all about getting out of your own comfort zone and your own seat and uh, just making sure that um, you know you're, we're pulling our own weight and helping serving the body. and just some thoughts.
1: Absolutely. And that really brings us to our next um, our next topic is finding a place of service at your church. Um, you know, God gives each of yeah. us a Christian, gives each Christian a spiritual gift. And the purpose for that spiritual gift is not to bring us glory and not to make us look great, but to serve the body and to glorify God through serving the body. So we need to get to it and use the gifts that God has given us in service to the body. It kind of takes that faithful church attendance up to the next level because you shouldn't be serving if you're not faithfully attending. Faithfully attending is the first order of business because if you're not faithfully attending, then you're not going to, to be faithful to your area of service. You're going to be gone all the time. People are going to be wondering where you are and you're not going to be holding up your responsibilities and all that. Wow. So you want to get plugged in and get invested. And you know, it's just like anything else. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. So yeah. just like Amy was saying, you know, how do you find a place of service? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of churches are like this at my church. They always announce the need for help. You know, we yeah. need a, a teacher in this area. We need somebody to work in the nursery in that area. We need someone to help serve uh, food for this or that. And, and so d- listen to the announcements. Read the bulletin read the bulletin. (laughs) I put something on my Facebook page about that not too long ago. (laughs) People were saying, oh yeah, that's me. I always forget to read the bulletin. That can uh, happen. It, it, I used to write the to bulletin. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: Is anybody reading this? Why are we asking these questions? It's right in the well, bulletin.
1: <laughs> I always read the bulletin. I just want you to know because I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. But. Yeah. So you can listen to those announcements and read the bulletin. Look, ask around. Teachers, ask the teachers of different classes if they need help. Ask mm-hmm. different leaders of of different ministries uh, what you can do to help out. Ask your pastor and look. Open your eyes and look around and see what needs to be done. Uh, and pray and ask God to help you to see what needs to be done and help you to find a good place of service. A lot of times if you're, you know, if you're faithfully attending your church, you're going to see God's going to put something on your heart that, you know, an area where you want to serve or something that needs to be done that you could pick up the slack on and help with and things like that. And and also, like Amy was saying, remember, teaching is not the only place of service. A lot of us, that's the first thing we think of. Oh, I need to teach a class. Teaching is not for everybody. It's certainly not for brand new Christians. Um, you need to be more spiritually mature before you start teaching, but there are a lot of other things that need to be done. Um, Amy had some great ideas, some other ideas that I thought of. And of course we're, you know, we're going to have some more resources for you on this. You can coordinate meals for new moms. Uh, Uh you can help in the sound booth. You could paint. I, we, I used to belong to a church that every once in a while we had a, a work day and we would work on the, the building, you know, painting and cleaning and things like that. So you can yes. help with that. Um, visiting shut-ins that are members of your church, folding bulletins, being an admin of the church website. You know, there's all kinds of different things that you can do. But the most important thing is for you to be willing. Um, sometimes positions of service are open for a reason. Nobody wants to do it. Um, So we can understand that. But being willing is is the most important thing. Remember, Jesus had to do a lot of things that he probably didn't especially enjoy, but he did them out of love for God, love for others, and the joy of being a servant. And Amy um, already read my verse from Galatians a few minutes ago. No, no, no. no, no. It's good to read it again. I want to read it again. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each has given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So again, the Spirit is empowering us and giving us those gifts to serve the body and to glorify God through doing that. Amy, do you have any other thoughts on on servanthood? Ah uh, boy no I don't I think we both covered that one pretty
0: well <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> Well then we'll just dive right into the next one. So this year we want to be discerning. we want to be yes. discerning as we go throughout 2020 and of course throughout our entire lives now you know, As I was thinking about this topic, I was, I was thinking about my, my kids when they were little and, Mm -hmm. you know, babies crawl around on the floor and they just pick up anything that looks good, whether it's food or not. And it's usually not, Not. (laughs) and they put it (laughs) right. They put it in their mouths and they just blindly trust that it's good. But the Bible says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. We grow up, we learn what's food and what's not. We learn which foods are good for us, and we eat discerningly. And it's the same thing in our spiritual lives. Don't just blindly trust and consume anything that calls itself Christian. Grow up, discern spiritual food from a Lego or a bug. You know, Um, don't just be putting anything into your spirit, only put good, healthy, biblical food into your spirit. So, If you, you know, you have heard about a new author, a new book, maybe a new band that you want to listen to, a conference you might be thinking about attending, vet them first. Let me say that again. Vet them first. Pray. Ask God to make you discerning and to protect you from false doctrine. Um, Look, you know, look up these people and their teachings and maybe things that they've written um, and compare everything to rightly handled scripture and make sure that these folks are not deviating from scripture. Google them, check out their Mm -hmm. social media, check out their calendar of events. Are they palling around with people that you know are false teachers? Um, Women preaching to men, you know, is, is this a... Uh, male pastor who allows women to preach to his church, preach the sermon to his church on Sunday morning or whenever. Uh, Is this a woman who frequently preaches sermons, you know, to the church or preaches at uh, co-ed conferences and things like that? Um, Especially, you know, whether when, the issue of whether they hang out with false teachers and and minister with them and whatever, and women preaching to men. These are two very easy things to find out. The easiest way is to, like I said, Google, go through their social media pages, see who they're retweeting see who they're appearing with at conferences, Uh, you know, check out videos of, of the person speaking. Is this a woman preaching on a Sunday morning or preaching to men at all? These are quick and easy things because those things are unbiblical and they're enough to tell you that you shouldn't be following that person. But in addition to the fact that those things in and of themselves are unbiblical, when people do those things, it points to the fact that they almost always have other problems in their doctrine as well, that they're most of the time they're probably also teaching Word of Faith false doctrine or New Apostolic Reformation false doctrine or something like that. So it's, it's really um, a red flag to do that. And I have a couple of scriptures here that I really want to, to share with y'all. The first one is Romans 16, 17 through 18. It says, I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles, causing divisions, creating obstacles, contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Mm-hmm. Those are people who teach false doctrine. Okay. And what does it say to do? It says, watch out for them. And then it says, avoid them. Yes. And then verse, verse 18 says, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites and by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the hearts of the naive. Don't be that naive person, okay? You'll never find anything in the Bible teaching you to be naive and gullible. Always, it, The Bible always talks about wisdom. Get wisdom, Proverbs says. Um, in the New Testament, Jesus says, to, one of the things he says is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And And so use your mind, use the brain that God gave you, to do the work, to vet these folks, and then avoid and stay away from the ones who do not match up with scripture. And then, um, so that was Romans 16, 17 through 18. Of course, we'll have all these scriptures for you in the show notes like we always do. But then I wanted to go over to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Um, the, the passage starts off by saying this, but understand this, that in the last days, and we're certainly in the last days, In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be, and then he goes through this laundry list of all these terrible personal characteristics that people will have in being ungodly uh, for two or three verses. And then he gets down to verse five after he's said all these other things. And he says, they'll have the appearance of godliness, but they will deny its power. Avoid such people, people who appear to be godly, but are not being biblical. And then listen to this. Verse six says for among them, these people with all these terrible characteristics for among them are those false teachers who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Don't be that weak woman. Avoid such people. That passage says false teachers. And you know, here it would be a good place to to say not don't just avoid you know a particular book. Sometimes I'll have people write to me and say something like, "I know you've said Priscilla Schreier is a false teacher, but what about this book that she wrote? Is that book okay?" Well, the, <laughs> the passage, the, and I understand yeah. you know why people would say things like that, sure. but the the passage says we're to avoid the person not just right. particular books and teachings and things like that. Avoid that person altogether. That includes everything, you know, all of her materials and stuff like that. And avoiding false teachers, you know, it's, it's healthy for you, but it's not just for yourself. Avoiding those false teachers is also for others who are watching you who know yes. that you're a Christian and who, if they see you follow this false teacher They'll think that false teacher is is a good biblical Christian or they could think that and because they'll think that you approve of that teacher. And also another another reason that you should avoid false teachers, not just for yourself, but for someone else is for the sake of the false teacher herself. If you follow false teachers you're a false teacher you're sending the message to that false teacher that you think that what she's teaching is biblical and godly yeah. and what she's doing is godly and appropriate so you don't want to do that you're doing you're not being loving to the false teacher by doing by sending that message to her when she needs to be rebuked and she needs to repent and come to Christ so this year we really want to be, discerning and vet all the materials that we use before we use them. What do you think, Amy?
0: I just want to point out that um, we've got some podcasts that we've done um, a a few months ago, and you can go back into a wordfitlyspoken.life or wherever you listen to our podcast and get some of those early ones. We talk about what is discernment, how to use discernment, and that kind of thing. Um, And so we can link up some of those um, in our show notes today. Uh, But really, discernment is a discipline. And uh, just like other disciplines like prayer and reading the Bible, this is one that we should all seek to practice. Um, deliberately, intentionally, it's it's really the duty of every Christian to think biblically um, in all areas of life, so that we might act biblically in all areas of life. And you know, Romans twelve tells us that uh, we need to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. But unless we really have true discernment. How can we determine what evil and good really is? And uh, really, discernment is the work of God's Spirit sharpening us through His Word. So it all goes back to Scripture and understanding what is true and what is almost true or what is false. So (laughs) so those are some things, just some final thoughts on discernment. But yeah, we really need to make an effort to um, continue to be sharpened through God's Word. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So what do you, what do we have next on our list of things there? Anna? Well,
0: I, I thought giving might be a good one. Uh, you yeah. know, generosity, being generous, um, That that's a spiritual thing. And generosity can be used for God's glory in many different ways. Uh, we can give of our time, our material resources, our money, our hospitality, um, doing kind things for others, that kind of thing, giving of our talents. Um, you know, and really it's it's motive too it's not to bring attention to us uh, look at me i'm serving or look at me i'm you know whatever it is but really to glorify god now if you're worried that you don't have the right motive ladies i would suggest that uh, uh, if you're worried about altruism, altruism that it's all about you try giving anonymously Ooh, <laughs> then you don't get any glory at all, and That's and uh, right. yeah. So you know we should show generosity to everyone as we have opportunity. Um, in Matthew, it says, "Give to one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you." So in our generosity, really, we're not to expect repayment of any kind. This should be done um, unconditionally. So our reward will come from the Lord, whatever that means in his way and his time, but we shouldn't be holding our hand out expecting, you know, hey, Lord, I just did this good deed. I was generous. What do you have for me? Nope, um, sorry, that's not how that works. Uh, But really it's, it's, Lord, uh, I humbly ask you to give me these opportunities so that I can um, be... Providence, your providence to somebody in need. So we are to show generosity even to our enemies, if you can believe that. Um, Bible says if someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. So it also says if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? But love your enemies, do good to them. And lend them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. That comes out of uh, Luke chapter 6, if you'd like to look that up. So we can start by reflecting on how kind and how merciful and generous God is to us, and that helps get us in the right mindset to be kind and giving. Um, And like I said, Michelle, your generosity is often God's provision for others. And so we really can be his blessing to somebody else. Any thoughts on that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. And so that's really our motivation for giving as well. We give because he first gave himself for us while we were yet sinners. You know, that goes to talking about what, what you were saying and what scripture says about giving to your enemy he gave his life for us when we were his enemies. Romans five, eight says when we were still sinners. So, um, we, we really need, once you get that mindset of I give because Christ gave to me, it's no longer an issue of uh, I'm giving so I can get glory for myself or I'm giving right. so uh, because I feel guilty that I haven't given before or I'm giving so that uh, I can feel good about myself or all these other selfish, self, um, self-centered self uh, motivations for giving. It, it becomes all about I, I want to be generous because God has been so generous with me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, really, I really agree with what you've said there.
0: Yeah, I, I'm married to a man who loves... Being generous, and i I'm, I just, I watch him, and I'm in awe because uh, he's a guy who would really go out and just give total strangers anything, and it, and he always tells me, Amy, you know, it's, it's, uh, none of this belongs to me anyway. It's all God, so, um, why not bless somebody? And I just love that about him. So it's just oh, I, I, when great. when people have that gift of generosity, um, I I, I need that more. I really right. do. So um, it's great to have a good example for yeah. someone to set a good example for us. I know I need that for sure. <laughs> oh. Well, I think the next one um, uh, I have is mentoring or discipling others. And Michelle, I tend to put those two together. Um, to yeah. me, they're one and the same. I don't yeah, really I make a distinction. Maybe some others do. But um, the Apostle Paul talked a lot about mentoring as his leadership model. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ is what he says in 1 Corinthians Uh, chapter 11, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice um, out of Philippians 4. And in essence, he's really saying, let me mentor you, let me be your role model. And he reminds the new Christians at uh, Thessalonica to follow our example. Uh, So he, you know, teach, model, how can we do that as a practice? Well, Um, you know, we really can't mentor or disciple others if we ourselves haven't been in the role of student. And uh, we ought to be growing in Christ, not brand new if we're going to be uh, helping others out. But I always suggest that um, asking a woman if they'd like to meet for coffee or for lunch and, uh, you know, just kind of meet one-on-one. And in the course of conversation, Ask if they'd like to study scripture together on a regular basis. I usually don't say, "Hey, do you want me to disciple you?" <laughs> Just you know, I, I usually say something like, "You know, would would you like to meet regularly?" Um, just to talk about scripture, to maybe read together, um, say every uh, once a week or two. Um, and you can do this in person or um, schedule a phone conversation. And here's another idea, Michelle. If you have long distance friends, you can use technology like Skype or Zoom or FaceTime. Um, all these things really help us you know, you know, shorten those miles right up. Uh, we can meet on a video conference call. It's really easy these days. And uh, then maybe have some topics, like say you'd like to study a chapter together of scripture or do a topical study on something like um, forgiveness or uh, repentance or something like that. Anything that sends you searching all over the Bible, a really easy way to mentor somebody. And then um, share with each other what you found. Um, I would put a little caveat in there, Michelle. Though I know you'd agree with this, I steer people away from those um, study booklets that you find at Christian bookstores as Yes. conversation starters. Yeah, just study the <laughs> Bible. You can't go wrong yes. with just doing that. <laughs> so, any thoughts
1: on that? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I just I always when I think of mentoring and discipleship, I always think of uh, of Titus two three through five, mm, where yeah. the you know it talks about the older women teaching the younger women, teaching them what is good and and uh, and that's that's the part that I always focus on. It always talk. It also talks about um, teaching the the younger women to love their their husbands and their childrens and manage yeah. their households well and things like that. But it starts off with teach what is good, um, and so. Teaching what is good, I mean, that's the whole of Scripture. I mean, all of Scripture is good, and we have to know what is good before we can be good uh, godly wives and mothers and all of those things. So um, so that's really important. And I think also that, uh, that churches can help – uh, particularly women get together in mentoring relationships. It can, I don't know about anybody else, but it, if you don't already know someone as a friend, it can be really awkward to just walk up to someone you barely know at your church and say, Hey, would you mentor me? You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like asking a boy out on the first date or something. It just feels (laughs) awkward and weird. And you don't know if you're going to get rejected or whatever. And so I really think, um, you know, I, I, in in different groups, uh, on social media, where I read about this kind of thing all the time that women are saying, how can we set up a mentoring program at our church and what kind of curriculum can we use and what, you know, and they just really over programatize, programatize, whatever that word is, they over (laughs) overly program it. And, um, I really don't think it needs to be, um, that, that difficult and that over programmed. Uh, you can just, you know, say, Hey, we're going to, match people up as mentors. If you want to be a mentor, mm, sign up yeah. on this list. If you want to be a mentee, sign up on this list and we'll, I don't know, pull names out of hats and match you up that way. And then, you know, you can maybe reshuffle, you know, after six months or something like that. But um, churches can be really helpful to to women who want to be mentored. That's a That's a thing that that a lot of especially younger women want and older women too i think want to mentor younger women but they probably feel like you know you know they the younger women just want to hang out with each other and they're not interested in anything i have to say so it can be very awkward and so if churches can help women get together on things like that and then they can just get together organically and and talk like you were saying. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think those are all good things with regard to mentoring and discipleship.
0: I think so, too. Well, I think we're up to number seven, something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The next one is reaching out. And uh, really, this falls under the acts of selflessness or benevolence. Um, And it simply means uh, kind of going beyond. It's not really mentorship. It means we ought to be caring for others in the body of Christ. Um, You can start by uh, looking at the needs in your own church, caring for brothers and sisters in need. Uh, I don't know about you, Michelle, our pastor puts out the prayer list twice a week, and really it's a great way to be able to see who needs a phone call or a visit of encouragement or who needs a meal following surgery or an illness or who needs some light chores done around the house or maybe a ride to church or a ride to the grocery store. Really, there are countless ways to tend to the needs of others um, outside of our churches too, as well as inside. Um, and and what a great way to share Christ! Like so, what, for instance, right. if you uh, if you or your husband is is working, and you know of coworkers who have a need, or uh, perhaps one of your neighbors needs something, what a great way to uh, be that light to share the love of Christ with uh, anybody who, as far as you can tell, don't really know Him, and uh, make the offer. You know find ways to do that. Maybe it's caring for someone's children while they attend a family emergency, but whatever it is, you'll want to make sure that you're doing this for the glory of God. And uh, just some thoughts on that. And and there's countless scriptures that talk about serving others. But uh, I I think this is a a time, um, you know, it's it's 2020. If people are talking about resolutions, we can quietly go about uh, doing the Lord's work and helping people. Thoughts on that, Michelle?
1: Yeah, I think just um, you know, we were talking a minute ago a minute ago about generosity being yeah. the basis for giving. And really here, kindness is the basis for reaching out, just showing kindness to people in your church and to um just maybe your neighbor, or your coworkers and things like that. And I think that's really, really needed in our world these days, especially yeah. I mean, we just see people Especially if you're on social media, you just see people going at each other's throats all the time, and and I think um, kindness goes even farther today because it's such a rare commodity that people take notice of it and and then they yeah. want to know why are you being kind to me and then when they want to know why you're being kind to them that really just opens up the door for you to share the gospel and to to continue to um to talk to them about the lord and to help them and and uh, and to do you know if it's if it's someone from your church or a fellow brother or sister in christ to continue to help them and to show the love of christ to them and to do those one another's that we were talking about about a while ago, uh, and, and help them by reaching out. So yeah, I think
0: that's really, really important. All right. Well, uh, just kind of to wrap things up, there's one more I thought I'd throw in here, and that is um, an interesting one, fasting. Um, It's not a requirement. Um, God never said, you must fast. This is my command. Never said that. But followers of Christ often do this. And in our world today, um, it's kind of getting trendy. People are doing it for medical reasons or because it's part of a popular diet trend. There's all sorts of new things coming out about fasting. But for the Christian, we you know we fast for a whole different reason. Why, and what does the Bible say? Well, uh, fasting simply means um, limiting yourself to um, maybe a certain type of food or fasting from food entirely, um, abstaining from eating food and water, as uh, Jesus did, uh, but there's also fasting from other things such as. A husband and wife abstaining from relations for a predetermined period, as it says in 1 Corinthians 7 5. So th- there's a lot of ways you can look at this, and I just encourage uh, further study on your own. But uh, with the different types of fasting in mind, you know, how to do a fast depends greatly on what type of fasting you're doing and why. So let's kind of look at the Bible, what what the Bible says. In the Old Testament, fasting or not eating was usually accompanied by great distress. Um, Nehemiah prayed and fasted when Jerusalem crumbled. David did this when his newborn baby was dying. Esther did. So many others did. And the more critical the situation, it seems, the more appropriate uh, the fasting and prayer was. Uh, For instance, when The disciples could not cast out a demon in the New Testament. Jesus told them that they needed to fast, if you'll recall. But you'll notice in scripture that at no time is fasting used to gain God's favor or to get whipped up into some kind of state of consciousness in order to hear God speak. Of course, we know that he speaks to us through his word. So fasting um if you think about it it's really about worshiping god it's a it's a good thing it's profitable beneficial yes uh, yet scripture does not command us to fast uh, the book of acts records believers fasting before they made important decisions and uh, really the purpose of fasting isn't about denying yourself food, but it's really about taking our eyes off of the things of this world, just to focus completely on God. And I don't know about you, Michelle, but I think about food way too much. So
1: Me too. And I tell you what, when I go without without it for too long, it just makes me crazy. But there have been times when there's been a situation where I've been so distressed and so focused on praying about it, that I have, you know, I've not been able to eat, or I've not wanted to eat, because I've wanted to stay in prayer. And I think that's the way it is a lot of times for for us in in modern days. And another thing that's that's interesting to think about as well is that one of the things that Uh, I think uh, what had an impact on fasting in the old and new Testament is was a cultural thing is that uh, I'm not saying it was only cultural, but if you think about the times in which people lived back then, and you think about the, Effort and how long it took to prepare meals. Um, you know, you you didn't just go to the fridge and grab a sandwich out of the fridge that was already made and eat it. I mean, you had to go out and yeah. kill the animal and skin it and roast it over a fire for hours, and then you know, go out and pick the wheat and grind it and make yeah, flour. And make and so it was a lot of time and effort that was involved in preparing just one meal. And so one of the one of the contributing factors to fasting was the fact that it took so long and so much effort and so much time to prepare food and by not eating you had more time to pray and to focus on, on, on praying. So that, that was a contributing factor there too, as well, which I, I
0: found interesting. Well, I was just reading a book recently. I I can't remember if it was a book or an article by John MacArthur, but um, he pointed out that um, it doesn't seem that Jesus fasted that often. He writes that uh, his critics condemned him for eating and drinking in Matthew 11 and that uh, there is only one recorded instance in scripture of Jesus fasting, um, and that's of course when. Uh, he was being tempted uh, right after his baptism, but he did instruct his followers not to call attention to themselves. Um, in Matthew 6, he, you know, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. And he says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So I thought that was really interesting that uh, he also points out that Jesus's disciples did not fast while Jesus was with them because fasting was associated primarily with mourning or other times of um, consuming spiritual need or anxiety. So he writes that when uh, the disciples of John the Baptist asked why Uh, Jesus, why his disciples didn't fast uh, like they did and the Pharisees did. He said the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. And that's from um, Matthew chapter nine. So, so much to read about fasting. And uh, ladies, I just encourage you to uh, just do a little study, word study on fasting and see what you come up with. Um, It's fascinating. Again, it's not a command. It's not to do anything mystical. It's simply a a way to take your eyes off this world and, uh, and worship God.
1: Absolutely, it is really an interesting topic to to study about and and to read God's word about.
0: That's well, great. I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Yes, and remember, you can find out more about a word fitly spoken. Uh, previous episodes, all of our social media links, our show notes, everything you can find at our website, a word fitly spoken dot life. And while you're there, uh, if you would click on the support tab and prayerfully consider supporting us through PayPal or Patreon, uh, we'd be grateful and it would help cover uh, the ministry costs of doing the website and the podcast. We sure would be grateful for that.
1: And of course, we're always grateful for your prayers and your kind words of encouragement too. Thanks for listening. And until next time, walk worthy.